The AI Today podcast, produced by Cognolytica, cuts through the hype and noise to identify what is really happening now in the world of artificial intelligence. Learn about emerging AI trends, technologies, and use cases from Cognolytica analysts and guest experts. Hey, AI Today listeners. Want to dive deeper and get resources to drive your AI efforts further? We've put together a carefully curated collection of resources and tools handcrafted for you, our listeners, to expand your knowledge, dive deeper into the world of AI, and provide you with the essential resources you need. From books and materials ranging from fundamentals of AI to deep dives on implementing AI projects to AI ethics, tools, software, checklists, and more, our resources page will help you on your AI journey whether you're just starting out or you're well on your way. Check it out at aitoday.live slash list. That's aitoday.live slash L-I-S-T. Hello, and welcome to the AI Today podcast. I'm your host, Kathleen Walsh. And I'm your host, Ron Schmelzer. And you know we hope you've really been enjoying our glossary series, which we've been doing now for many, many months, uh, really focusing on many of the core topics and ideas around AI and machine learning and big data and some of the supporting ideas around ethics and responsible AI. And we got a lot more to go. So stay tuned. We got we have glossaries going all the way for another couple more months. But of course, you know, uh, we like to keep things fresh. And so we always want to intersperse these with interviews with thought leaders, folks who have been really advancing the whole pace of innovation in AI and thought leaders who are really making the market and helping uh, advance the trends. And of course, having some really key conversations because AI keeps advancing, keeps maturing as you, our listeners are. So uh, really, you know, really hope that you're going to enjoy some of these and hey, keep reaching out to us, keep telling us what you want to hear more of, and we'll make sure to do more of that. Exactly. But we do always love interviews because it gets to bring different perspectives onto this podcast and we get to talk about different topics. So we're so excited for today's podcast to have with us Sean Mullaney, who is the CTO of Algolia. Welcome, Sean, and thanks so much for joining us. Thank you so much, Ron and Kathleen. Thanks for having me on today. Yeah, we're really excited for this discussion. We'd like to start by having you introduce yourself to our listeners and tell them a little bit about your background and your current role at Algolia and maybe what that is for listeners that don't know. Fantastic. Thanks. Well, I'm the CTO at Algolia. um, And for folks who don't know, Algolia powers the search infrastructure of the internet. So we're one of those companies that's kind of behind the scenes, but uh, we have about 17,000 websites, including about 6,000 e-commerce sites. And when you go and type a search into the bar, we're powering that behind the scenes. Um, And uh, Algolia has been around for about 10 years, and we've recently just transformed the whole product range uh, using AI. And so I'm going to be excited to talk to you a little bit about how search is going to change. Um, But before Algolia, um, I've spent the last 15 years in e-commerce looking at very different parts of the customer journey. So uh, previously, I was at Stripe, where I helped build up the European payments engineering team and got to see that kind of like end piece of the uh, conversion journey. Before that, I was at uh, Zalando, Europe's largest fashion retailer, doing about 15 billion in GMV, 50 million customers. And I really got to understand that middle part of the customer journey. So we developed lots of AI-powered search and recommendations and personalization and really focused on data. Um, and then before that, I, I spent almost 10 years at Google, where I got to see a lot of the demand generation side. So the advertising um, and um, I also got to work a little bit on the delivery logistics um, and uh, worked in the drone delivery part of Google X, 
that's really, really interesting insight because a lot of that background that you're talking about is very data heavy, very data centric. You know, maybe back in the day, we didn't think of a search engine company or an e-commerce company as a data uh, focused organization. But now, of course, we know that fundamentally, that's what these organizations are. And of course, a lot of these algorithms, a lot of the reasons why we've uh, adopted AI and machine learning is to help extract and create more value from all this data we're getting. Of course, in the news, it's hard to ignore what's happening around generative AI and large yeah. language models. That's really capturing a lot of the attention. It's almost like AI's got a little bit of its uh, third, fourth, fifth wind. I don't know how many wins AI has, but it's got another you know injection of of uh, excitement and interest. So, I mean, tell us a little bit about about Algolia's approach in this area. You know, some of the thoughts you may have about generative models, and perhaps some of these. New things you're doing around vectorization and search, and maybe for those of our customers or re- listeners who don't know about that, talk a little bit about those things. Yeah, it's an absolutely brilliant time to be in AI right now. There's so much exciting stuff happening, and it's moving so fast. Um, but when you think about it, you know, for the last 20 years, we've really been doing the same thing when it comes to search. Um, so when you think about your experience at Google or your experience on an e-commerce site, you know, 20 years ago, back in the dot-com days. Right. It really felt very similar to the way, it, the way it is now. You type some keywords into a box and then it goes off and tries to find other web pages or products that have the same keywords as you typed. And that's really how we've kind of handled this kind of information discovery and search problem. And um, what AI and these large language models have been able to do is to really transform the way in which we do search. So instead of just going and matching keywords, we've actually been able to take those keywords and turn them into concepts. So these large language models are able to take both the query you type, as well as all the web pages or all of the products in the e-commerce catalog. And they're able to match the concepts, not just the keywords. And one of the big breakthroughs has been in natural language understanding. So we're able to actually now understand the concepts and intent behind the language. And you know the reason why ChatGPT has been such a huge um, explosion in popularity, because it's the first time that humans have actually felt understood when they talk to a computer. They can use their natural language to actually ask for things. And uh, the computer can respond in a natural language as well, in a way that feels very normal. So this chat GPT and generative AI has really you know, created a huge expectation now in terms of the way that people want to be understood and find information online. So it's really been a huge change to the search industry. Yeah, you know, just a few years ago, it it was not so good. And I remember, you know, when voice assistants first came out, and you were able to actually kind of start to have those conversations where it wasn't really just kind of reading off an FAQ. It actually felt like they were starting to understand you. And now these large language models have just taken that to the next level. So it really is exciting. I mean, and this has just been in the past, you know, couple of years. So uh, it just continues to uh, amaze us. And, you know, we like where this is going. So maybe for our listeners that are not familiar with this, can you talk a little bit about vectorization, uh, yeah. you know, and how you're using it first before I get to my next question? Yes, absolutely. So, um, you know, when you think about how the human mind works, we can all kind of say words like, let's say we all want to use the word sweater or pullover or jumper. These are all kind of words. And in our mind, we kind of like come up with the concept, right? might be the picture of the thing. 
And it turns out that our minds are kind of organized in this way where we have concepts that are language agnostic. So you could say the same word in a different language to me. I'd still have the same kind of idea in my head. So vectors are just the way that we mathematically represent the type of concepts that our brain uses. And it's mapping words into concepts. And we can also kind of search for similar concepts. And so these vectors are really a way that we can kind of um, make search and discovery language agnostic. Um, and so vectors are, are, are the base of it. And vectors are what power ChatGPT. When you type in a query into ChatGPT, it turns into a vector, gets put into the model. Those vectors then get turned back into words in the response. So vectors are changing everything about search. So when you can think about search, there are kind of two different models that you want to interact with the search engine. One is kind of like a chat GPT, where you want to ask a question and you want it to respond with an answer in a natural human way. That's what's called generative AI. It's generating a response. And actually those responses are totally unique each time that it kind of returns a response for you. But the second way we use it is to retrieve information from either a series of web pages or products in an e-commerce catalog. And when you go and you shop on the local e-commerce store, you don't want it to generate a product that never existed before, right? You want it to actually retrieve a product that's on sale. So um, we use these large language models that are powering ChatGPT to be able to search through e-commerce stores or retrieve you know, web pages and news articles and things like this. Um, and so these vectors are now the new way in which humans can be understood. And I'll give you one example. We've seen uh, trends in our, uh, in our users, whereby in the last six months, they have doubled the number of keywords that they're typing into the search box. It's been extraordinary to see the speed at which people, once they feel that they can be understood, start becoming much more descriptive. And the more keywords that they type in, the more specific they're getting in terms of what they want. Um, and so in the case of e-commerce, we're seeing that when we use vector search rather than simply keyword matching, um, we're able to actually find products in the catalog for these shoppers that they weren't able to find before. So when these shoppers turn up to a website, they're telling you, I really want this thing and I'm describing it to you exactly. And if they can't find it on your store, they're going to go somewhere else. You're losing business. Um, and this long tail is what we call it of keywords, right? When you think if you're uh, an e-commerce site, you've got a bunch of the, the kind of like, I'd like a dress or some jeans. These are kind of the head terms. The long tail are these descriptive queries, and they should be the ones that convert into sales the most easily. And about 80% of the queries that are happening on these e-commerce sites are these longer um, queries, these long tail queries. And what we've seen is with our vector search approach, we're getting like 30% more sales, right? Customers are actually finding the products that they're coming looking for. They're turning into loyal shoppers. And we're seeing substantially better shopping experiences. And customers are rewarding this with uh, their loyalty and their money. Um, so hopefully for everyone who's been frustrated trying to find that, that kind of needle in a haystack on an e-commerce site, right. hopefully their experience is going to get a lot better. Yeah, we are. Podcast listeners can't see it, but we are shaking our heads because yeah. I think anybody <laughs> that's been on an e-commerce site recently, you know, recently as in the past, you know, few years has known it just... There's so many options, and we talk about this a lot. You kind of get that analysis paralysis, right? There's so many options, I don't even know where to begin. And so if I want a sleeping bag, it's like, well, I want a sleeping bag that's going to fit 
uh, you know, I'm going camping in the mountains at this time of year, the temperature is going to be this degrees, a range. And it's kind of like, just give me an option, you know, just give me an option that's good enough. And I want this price range. And then you come back with like 30,000 options and you're like, I don't even know where to start. I'm going to go by, I don't know, color, right? (laughs) Um, and this is also this idea that we talk about hyper-personalization. So for our podcast listeners that know, we've come up with the seven patterns of AI, because when people talk about AI, you're not always talking about the same things. It's really kind of this thrown around as this umbrella term. And so I can be talking about autonomous vehicles. You can be talking about chatbots. Ron can be talking about, you know, personalization and recommendation systems. And they're all the same. You know, they all fall under this umbrella of AI, but they're not the same. So- yeah. One of the patterns is hyper-personalization, where this is treating each individual as an individual. That, obviously, people always think about recommendation systems, you know, an advertiser's dream, right? Where you can give them the right product at the right time with the right message to get them to convert. But it can also be other things as well. So we talk about hyper-personalized education, healthcare, uh, you know, insurance and different types of offerings where you're really able to get to know the individual on maybe a more granular level. And just because somebody fits a generic bucket profile that I do doesn't mean that we actually have the same likes or the same needs or, you know, are in the same situation. So kind of from that perspective, in what ways are you seeing this, you know, vectorization can enhance the relevance and this hyper-personalization of search results? You talked about it a little, but maybe if you can share an example. Yeah, so uh, I'll give you the kind of structure of um, AI in search. So um, you kind of need to have AI end-to-end. You need to have AI understanding the query that's coming in and figuring out what the meaning is. We talked about vectorization. Um, but also understanding the kind of category of product the person's looking for. You then have uh, vectors at retrieval. Um, and you know one of the big breakthroughs that we've had is being able to do vector retrieval on every single query. Um, and to give you an idea of the scale of this, Algolia is the second biggest search engine in the world behind Google. So we serve almost 2 trillion queries a year. Um, and we do this at 17,000 websites. So, you know, most people when they're shopping online will have experienced one of our services. Um, And so we have to do this at such a big scale that um, we uh, have figured out how to compress these vectors um, so that we can serve very large volumes at very, very fast speeds. Thirdly, we have to rank them. And this is where a lot of the personalization comes in. So the first thing is, is that we retrieve the relevant results based on your query. But then we use all of the clickstream data that we know about how you've interacted with products on the website, both in the session that you're shopping in today, but also all of the previous sessions that you've had on the website. And we can use that personalization data to re-rank the results that are coming through. So if you're searching for something like, I don't know, red dress, right? We're going to come up with you know hundreds, thousands of different results but we can re-rank those and pull the ones from the brands that you like or the different price points you typically shop in uh, or with the types of patterns or um, features that you've purchased before or that you've clicked on and added to your basket. So um, one of the beauties of e-commerce is that um, e-commerce stores can have very, very large catalogs of products. So there's always something there for the shopper. The problem is it's the paradox of choice. Um, you know, When I was at Zalando, we had a million different SKUs And if you laid them all out in a retail store, it would be the size of a football stadium. It would just be a totally overwhelming experience. And so personalization is just such an essential part of making sure that when the shopper is coming into your store, you're able to really tailor that experience and find 
the needle in the haystack for them based on what they've uh, what they've kind of told you through their behavior. Um, and this is this comes back, you know, we want to be understood not only when we're searching with a query, but we also want to feel understood when we reward a shop with our loyalty. If you go into the shop and you buy things multiple times, you're a loyal customer, you want them to understand you the next time you come back and make sure that the, the site feels tailored for you and the products that, that are being offered to you uh, meet your tastes and your needs. Yeah, that's really important. You know, um, I have found this this uh, search experience on the e-commerce site to be getting uh, worse actually over time, which is interesting because you'd think that you know, uh, e-commerce we've had we've had 30, 40 years now of experience to be getting better. And I won't, you know, the very largest e-commerce retailer that's out there yes. finding I have to like do it's almost like a version of ChatGPT prompt engineering. I have to do search engineering. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. And, and and what happens is that I'm present to your point about being presented things. I I'm presented with things that I've already seen before, but I've sort of rejected them for many different reasons, like wrong size, reviews, price, availability, shipping day. You know, there's many reasons why. But then what happens is you have to kind of filter through all. It's like this minefield of like I don't yeah. And then you sometimes you forget why you've re rejected something and you find yourself clicking into it again. You're like, oh yeah, I already yeah, looked at true. that. Not, I wish, so I, I, I'm my, my behavior is I end up using my, my wish list as a temporary store for holding yeah. things that I'm currently evaluating. And, and, but that's like not, that's not really what the experience is for. So maybe we, let's talk a little bit about that. Cause I know we're talking about improving the experience. A lot of what you're talking about is improving the experience. And of course that experience translates into results, benefits for a company that's selling things that translates into benefits for people who are buying things. Right. Yeah. And, and maybe we'll talk about that in the context of generative AI, because that's sort of the you know, the, the topic du jour here, but maybe let's talk a little about experience and maybe ways in which you see generative AI sort of impacting that uh, experience. Yeah, it's a great question. I, I think the last 20 years, um, e-commerce experience has basically been putting a product database uh, with the front end, where as a shopper, you have to basically go through all the different filters to try to filter. You have to use the keywords that you think are gonna hit on the database. But you inherently know there's just like this database behind there. <laughs> and um, it's a very frustrating experience. Um, a lot of the work is left up to the shopper to go through pages and pages of results, click on different articles, add them to your, uh, you know, your dressing room or your, your, your shopping basket. And so one of the second modes of shopping that I think is going to be really exciting is using generative AI. Um, so I think um, we call this conversational commerce. And um, we uh, are working on a product to enable all the 17,000 stores um, who are, are and websites that are using us to be able to benefit from this. But in essence, it's taking the product catalog um, and it's feeding it into a generative AI model um, that can act as a personal shop assistant. So you can actually um, have a conversation with an agent and that agent's able to then query the product catalog using the information that you've given it and then start making recommendations to you. And I think this is going to be really, really valuable for certain e-commerce experiences, particularly ones where there's a lot of domain knowledge. Um, and I typically think that these are the ones where um, uh, high street retail is winning right now. Like if you want to go and buy a pair of fancy running shoes, or you want to buy a flat, a flat screen TV, you might want to get some advice. So you end up going into a store, 
and um, you want someone to advise you on your TV. Um, and so I think there's going to be a chat-like experience where you're going to have a generative AI is going to lead you through the buying process, ask you some questions about what your preferences are. And then when you have a question like, you know, what is the difference between OLED or LED on the TV, right? It's going to be able to give you expert advice. Um, or if you tell it that I'm, you know, want to run a marathon in eight weeks and I'm a beginner and I've got a wide foot or something, it's going to start to talk to you about the products and give you some advice. And so I think having that expert advice and that guided, you know, personal shopping experience online is going to be a fantastic way that generative AI is going to help improve that experience. Yeah, it's kind of like a personalized shopping experience for everybody now, right? Yes. Yeah, which I mean, these are, you know, the possibilities that get us so jazzed up and excited. We talk about this idea of augmented intelligence, where it's not meant to replace the human, but just help the human, you know, do their job or a task better. And I feel like that's where this really uh, can be powerful, you know, where you're having the human still gets to make a decision at the end of the day where I still get to buy my running shoe, but now I'm just able to get a lot more knowledge than I could before. For whatever reason, either I can't go into a store, maybe I want to get my running shoes at 11 o'clock at night and stores aren't Uh open or I want to start doing some preliminary research, uh, you know, this is where we get really jazzed with where things can go. And I think that, uh, you know, generative AI really has enhanced some of what we get excited about and some of the possibilities. And now it's getting everybody talking about it, right? So yeah. before maybe, you know, just some people were talking about it. Now I think it's it's really in the masses and people can see firsthand the power of what AI can do. Yeah. And, you know, a lot of times we go shopping because we want to solve problems. Um, and, you know, imagine you're going to the pharmacy and you want some advice on um, you, you feel sick or, you know, my my baby's not feeling well. You do want some of a kind of guided expert opinion. Or if you're going on your camping trip, you know, you really want someone to say, these are the things you need to go on the camping trip and to guide you through. Here's a tent. Here's the sleeping bag. You know, here's the stove. And so um, I really think that that kind of problem solving mentality coming to our e-commerce stores is going to help help us a lot. Exactly. Yeah. And for anybody that's ever, you know, searched uh, symptoms, (laughs) (laughs) if you're not a medical professional, you can come back with some really scary results, which is why I try not to do that. Um, this has been such a wonderful podcast and we've really enjoyed our discussion. Before we wrap up, we like to ask everybody that we interview the same final question, because no matter how many times we've asked it, we get such varying results. You're able to pull on your own experiences and, uh, you know, answer it in your own unique way. So what do you believe the future of AI is in general and its application to organizations and beyond? Wow. That's a big question. (laughs) Um, so it's it's been fascinating to watch AI develop. So, you know, for the last 10 years, we've had kind of very domain-specific AI, um, which has not been able to le- le- um, leverage human language as much. Um, we've just gone through this human language breakthrough, um, which I think is incredible because it enables everyone on the planet to leverage the power of AI through the power of human language. We all have human language. We can all speak it. We can all understand it. And so as a user interface and experience, I think we're going to see an explosion in human creativity and productivity because of it. Um, And I think there are so many positive benefits that we're going to see because it's available to everyone. It's democratized now. All you have to be able to do is talk, right? (laughs) And listen, uh, and you can get the benefit of it. 
Um, so I think, you know, every single field, we're going to see humans superpowered um, and creativity superpowered. And I think anytime we've had huge breakthroughs in human productivity and creativity, it's led to significant human progress uh, for the positive. So I'm very much a big AI optimist um, and um, can see so many different parts of human life getting better because of it. Yeah, that's really powerful. And and I, I honestly, I'm really hoping for and rooting for many of the user experience and and customer things you're talking about, only because I felt this acute pain of of spending way too much time uh, finding the needle in the haystack. And you think it would be in everybody's best interest <laughs> to deliver yeah. the right thing at the right time, but but uh, you know, as it, as it is with large e-commerce sites that are mostly marketplaces, you have you know suppliers who are you know, maybe working the search results to skew things in their favor, not necessarily giving you what you want. And that conflicts with the fact that there's no way to put a human in that loop to like look at every product and evaluate everything. So I'm really hoping I, one day, I hope to get that experience where I can type and say, I'm looking for this product, but I need it this week. So don't give me any results that are not available now. And I would like something I understand. These are all great reviews, but don't give me any review where it says, for example, you know, if I'm looking doing irrigation system right now, where it's like, you know, it's too big or too wide or too slow or whatever the complaints are, right? That would be, that would be nice. And kind of, and also don't show me anything you've shown me before, you know, for example, <laughs> or, yeah. you know, or, or show me in the last week. You know, that This is like, this is the experience. Amazingly, after decades of econ, we don't have that experience yet. And, and that's the power of AI, I think can really help give us more than I hope Algolia is in the, in the center of making all that happen. Yeah, it just took breakthrough to understand human language to be able to make that happen. But yeah, imagine if we could make the whole of global commerce, you know, 20, 30, 40% more effective, you know, the huge benefits to GDP, to economic progress, uh, and to our time savings and our happiness. <laughs> Exactly. Well, hey, I know we could speak for uh, a long time here, and I hope, hope we are. We're going to maybe re-engage you in this podcast, and I think our podcast listeners will be talking about Algolia a bit for the next few podcasts. So just a little heads up, you may hear from them. Algolia is a sponsor of this podcast, and they are definitely a, an advertiser with us, but we're engaging with them in part because they're such a core part of making AI work, a core part of our ecosystem. So we encourage you to take a look at uh, what they are doing. And on that note, I really want to thank you so much. Uh, this has been a fantastic podcast. And Sean, you've just been amazing sharing your insights uh, with our listeners. Well, thank you. We're huge fans of the podcast as well. So thank both of you as well for uh, for doing a great job. Yeah, this was a great, a great conversation today. And listeners, if you've enjoyed listening to this podcast, please make sure to rate us on Apple Podcasts, Google, Spotify, or your favorite podcast platform. Also, as we mentioned earlier, please do subscribe to AI Today if you haven't done so already. We have a lot of good episodes coming up. We don't want you to miss out on any of that. If you're interested in learning more about Algolia, I encourage you to go to algolia.com, A-L-G-O-L-I-A.com. We'll also link to it in the show notes. And we will link to everything else that we talked about. I know there was some glossary entries with vectorization and tokenization, natural language processing. I'll make sure to link to those as well in case you want to dig a little bit deeper into any of those topics. Like this episode and want to hear more? With hundreds of episodes and over 3 million downloads, check out more AI Today podcasts at aitoday.live. Make sure to subscribe to AI Today if you haven't already on Apple Podcasts, 
Spotify, Stitcher, Google, Amazon, or your favorite podcast platform. Want to dive deeper and get resources to drive your AI efforts further? We've put together a carefully curated collection of resources and tools handcrafted for you, our listeners, to expand your knowledge, dive deeper into the world of AI, and provide you with the essential resources you need. Check it out at aitoday.live slash list. This sound recording and its contents are copyright by Cognolytica. All rights reserved. Music by Matsu Gravas. As always, thanks for listening to AI Today, and we'll catch you at the next podcast.